Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Face and Hat. Today we have a couple more stories from my uncles, Uncle Spencer and Uncle Stephen. Um, again, thanks to them for being on the show and take it away, Uncle Spencer. This is one that I'm directly responsible for. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Along with dad. Uh-huh. We had a crew of masons on the job. And they were building the front wall of the chapel, which is the wall that faces the street. And it usually has a slight peak to it. If you looked at it straight down, you'd see that the, the walls were at an angle to each other. Okay. Um, and in masonry construction, that kind of construction, you have two layers of wall. You have block, concrete block on the inside that weighs 75 pounds a piece. They're eight inches tall, 16 inches long. You lay that on the inside, then there's a small space. And then the brick that you see from the outside lays up as you're doing this and you put in brick ties. So you put a block down, you put the mortar on it, you put this steel piece of hardware in it that's shaped like a T. In the mortar, you embed it in the mortar, you put the next block on top of it. Now you have a piece of metal, flimsy uh, ribbed metal sticking out and you embed that into the brick of the, the outside wall, the veneer brick. Now, as you're going, every four feet, you're supposed to pour grout. So vertically, every four feet, the, the blocks line up so that there is a hole about six inches in diameter that goes all the way down. You put rebar in that hole and you fill it full of concrete grout. And then when you go up four feet higher, there are concrete blocks that have a U-shape cut out of, out of the top of them. The webbing is cut out in a U-shape. That's called a bond beam. So every four feet vertically and horizontally, the masons are to pour grout concrete uh, into these spaces. And put rebar in that continues from one pour to the next pour, four feet up, sticks out and then you join it. In this way, the whole wall is, turns into one thing. Dad was convinced that the masons were not grouting properly. And one day he, he, he had brought this up several times and they had got to the top of the wall. Um, the wall was 33 feet tall, I think. And it's about, it's about 14 inches thick at this point. And he sent me out there to do what's called rotting. You take a piece of rebar, you stick it down one of these grout holes and it should only go down four feet till right. it hits on me. That makes sense. Well, they were crowding to finish up the wall. 
And their plan, unbeknownst to everybody, was to grout the whole wall at the same time. Um, he sent me out there with a rod, told me to get up on top of the wall where I could look down the hole with a flashlight and take a rod, a piece of rebar, 20 feet long, and chunk the grout in so that if it wasn't done properly, when they were pouring the grout in, this movement of this rod up and down would coerce the grout into going as far down as it could. So I'm standing at the very prow of the building, the highest part on the outside peak. I've crawled off this five-story scaffold on my hands and knees, then stood up, pulled this rod up. There's nothing on either side of me but air. And I'm standing on the wall, and the Masons hate me. <laughs> 15 or 16 Masons up on this scaffold, laying blocked like madmen on a Saturday. They want to leave. They're all there staying in hotels. They want to go back to Salt Lake, and they hate my guts. <laughs> this is great, because yeah. they know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I make it known to him. Dad makes it known to him. Yeah. And I drop my rod down there, and it almost leaves my hand. I'm bent over. So they haven't grouted. They haven't done anything that they were supposed to do. They start pouring grout with these big plastic um, four-gallon, three-and-a-half-gallon bucket, plastic buckets, really super sturdy but flexible. Put, they fill them up with grout and they all have to be handed up um, from one guy to the next guy who stoops over and picks it up with the bale, lifts it up to the next guy and it's a conveyor belt of human beings lifting 80 pounds of grout at a time. And they're pouring it in the cell and I'm up there chunking it in and we have been doing this about 20 minutes and this is nothing is filling up. And I'm grouting this grout, with, I, I'm rotting this grout, which is creating a tremendous amount of pressure. And without warning, the center of this wall explodes. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Loads. It goes inside, it starts knocking scaffold down. Masons are scrambling around like spider monkeys. Uh -huh. Earthquake trying to keep from getting knocked off the scaffold. Block is um, flying off the front of the building. And a lot of this is at the center of the church buildings is a thing called, is a layer of cast rock. You have brick that comes up and then there's cast rock as decoration and panels. And these panels weigh hundreds of pounds a piece. They are flying off this wall wow. like they're jet propelled. And I'm standing on the top of the wall. Right. Uh -huh. 
And as it falls out from underneath my feet, I fall off the wall and I've got this piece of rebar in my left hand. Uh-huh. And it's starting, it's bending. I'm not letting go of it. It's all I got. <laughs> and it, it's, I swing out and as the wall crumbles, the bend in the rod extends me away from the wall. So now I have 75 pound blocks of concrete falling past me like bombs. <laughs> I swing across it. I almost get to the scaffold. I miss it. I swing back out around the wall, continues to crumble. This is like Errol Flynn, right? Back. I come, I come back in and I grab hold of the scaffold. And Barely, uh -huh. so I'm two full trips, and out the out in the parking lot that's being surveyed. Dad's out there. I see my dad come running, and he is moving like a track star, because he <laughs> knows where I'm at, and he knows exactly what has happened. Uh-huh. He gets to the wall, and these masons care nothing about me they are still trying to save their own skin and but they are cursing me like settlers <laughs> on beef they, they hate me because this is expensive i swing back onto the scaffold and this one giant giant masons are strong men this one giant of a man comes at me with a trowel, a pointed mason's trowel. And I don't know if he's threatening me with it, but he's coming at me with it. And I look over and dad is standing on the scaffold. He must have leaped up 20 feet. He's standing on that scaffold and he grabs that mason and Bends him around and he tells everybody to shut up. Those were not his exact words. Uh, and I am, I'm angry and amped up myself. And by this time, I'm 16 years old. So I've had plenty of experience. If they want to tussle, I'm the guy for them. And I'm not afraid to stab them with a mason trout. And dad is trying to keep me from killing a mason with trowel. And he's telling them to shut up. Everybody get off the scaffold because the wall is still crumbling. And they kind of assemble at the bottom on the inside on the slab. And he tells everybody, they start yelling and he just tells everybody to go home. You cannot be here another second. He's attending to me. He's, he's absolutely frantic that I'm hurt. And other than a cut on my hand from the rebar, I'm not. Every block missed me. I didn't even get any mortar on me. This is, uh, this is the best story. I, I have made this swing 
under a crumbling concrete block wall with hundred pound blocks of cast stone falling past me. I never got touched. I didn't get a scratch except where the rebar had cut my hand. Um, at the bottom, I'm still amped up. I'm, I'm ready to go. I really want to kill Masons. My, my one thing in life at that moment is I want to kill Masons. Um, and they blame me for the wall falling down. They're instantly pointing fingers at me going, it's his fault, he did it. Dad said, he did exactly what I told him to do. And if you'd have done what I told you to do, this wouldn't have ever happened in any way, in any universe. Just, again, I'm paraphrasing. He was, Dad was a little more amped up than I had seen him before. Um, he threw them all off the job and he told the foreman that he could come back tomorrow and to be there at a certain time. And by then dad had cooled off and he was convinced that I wasn't crushed or killed or wounded. Um, Dad was always concerned about my safety, but that day he was genuinely terrified that something had happened to me. In the meantime, you were just swinging around like a pirate. Oh, uh, yeah, I was swinging around like a pirate in a hurricane. <laughs> and now a story from Uncle Stephen. Lastly, that one of the things when father, when dad was set apart, he was promised that if he was faithful, he would, uh, he would have the power of miracles, even to the, uh, he would, he would have, what was it he was going to have? Oh, anyway, even, even unto the calling down of miracles and controlling uh, control of the elements something of that type I, okay. i've got the quote no i think that you're very close mom said the same thing i would love for you to tell me a story about um a rain that went around a building mm, okay this happened in the tacoma building so it would have been 1963 it was dad's first building uh one of the essential parts of that was the pouring of the concrete floor that is the chapel and cultural hall. Um, we, in those days, we still called them basketball courts. And uh, this has to be a very precision pour. It has to be absolutely level, square. It has to be a work of art, actually. And so we prepared for this pour for weeks getting the foundations in and lined up and all the rebar in place and the, and the embedments that hold the walls down, uh, the tunnels that are, that are built underneath there that carry return air back to the air handling system. Uh, these are tunnels that a person can crawl through. They had to be formed and prepared. And it's a really, really, really big deal. And so the placement of that concrete is a really, really, really big deal. It has to be uh, the right consistency. It has to have the right uh, testing. 
to make sure that structurally it meets the specification and it has to be placed timely and monolithically. Um, it's a big, big deal, gotta be done. And it has to be absolutely flat because you're gonna build cinder block walls on this and you can't have a straight cinder block wall if you don't have a floor that's perfectly flat and perfectly formed. So all this was done and the concrete was arranged. Uh, trucks were timed to arrive every eight minutes. I forget how many trucks were going to come that day, maybe 20, uh, just a number. And on the morning of the pour, we arrived at the uh, job site and the weatherman was saying, hey, you're gonna get hammered today with rain. And the missionaries were there, our building missionaries were there and they were saying, oh, we're not gonna pour concrete today. They're, now they're experts, right? And uh, the professional people that were going to be there to help us and all the volunteers gathered every morning in the job shack for a prayer to start the day. So that happened. And uh, dad offered the prayer and asked that they could be spared from having to postpone this pour. And the phone rang and the concrete company called and said, boy, your guys are gonna get hammered with rain. You sure you wanna pour this big floor today? Dad said, yeah, we're pouring. And people were murmuring big time. People were <laughs> saying, this guy is crazy. He's, he's out of his mind. And dad disappeared for a few minutes and went in the job shack by himself. And I know what he did. He prayed and when he came back out, one of the men so said, so Quinn, are we gonna pour this or not? And dad said, and this is as close as a quote as my old brain can get it. And I actually just mentioned this in my talk in church last Sunday or two weeks ago. His, his words were very close to, the Lord has a timetable set for this church and I have not received any notification that it is to be changed. We will pour the concrete today. Awesome. So the things started to roll and the clouds um, coming from the West were ominous to say the least. And there was thunder and there was lightning. And it was, uh, I think it must've been like August because it was still quite warm. Uh, but very humid and this clouds gathered and they started marching toward us. And we could see that this was literally a wall of falling water. It was an incredible downpour and we could see it getting closer and closer. And we saw the houses across the street get doused. We saw the cars that were parked in the street, water droplets hitting them and bouncing off. We saw our parking lot that wasn't paved yet become a flooded muddy mess and the trucks kept coming and we kept rubbing concrete and when the wall of water reached the end of the building literally within two or three feet to the end of the building it stopped raining and the wall of water passed down both sides of the building very visibly our job shack became covered with water um, the puddles in the parking lot formed in just seconds, big, deep mud puddles. And when the rain came past the end of the building, it started raining there again. 
and no water fell on that fresh concrete. We kept right on pouring and we worked into the night to get it finished, all the edging done as it should be and up to dad's specification and flat. We didn't have laser levels in this day, so everything was done with strings and uh, everything was done absolutely perfectly, but not a drop of water fell on that, except there were several people that were troweling and they had tears running down their face. And those tears were going into the concrete, but they probably needed it. 